In darkest stout, in brightest hop, we will drink these beers nonstop. Let those who make the qualities of movies drop, beware our power, the box office flop. Here comes 2011 Green Lantern. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Listener, and welcome to the 99th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. This is the first in our Hops and Heroic Flop series when we take a look at superhero movies that were not stronger than a locomotive and were out of theaters faster than a speeding bullet. Your host is me, Captain Cash, and with me are some kind of Suicide Squad League of Justice, the Thunderous Wizard, Mayor McCheese, and Chumzilla. hey <laughs> Super, super excited to be here, everybody. Really thrilled at the idea of talking about this shitty movie. I mean, I'm still kind of in some sort of hangover from this. I mean, we've already said that, yeah, we're doing Green Lantern. I want to make sure people understand why we're so on a downswing yeah. energy-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because the whole thing, it's light and energy and will, and it's real hard to muster much of it for this thing. I mean, I have I have several points written down in my notes where I was just like, okay, and it's not giving away anything from the plot. But when they do the lead in and they're like, and their energy was based on willpower, I was like, fuck, (laughs) because I never read the comics and I've never I'm I am a virgin to this movie. I've never seen it before. I watched it today and I was like, huh. We're gonna willpower our way through this movie. We're gonna willpower. We're gonna willpower our way through this pod. (laughs) Did they do? preface what you're going to need to finish the movie a lot like any alcohol will yeah (laughs) all right well first things first we have a big announcement uh we are now moving to wabam entertainment your place for the latest in nerd news check us out over at wabamentertainment.com that's w-o-b-a-m entertainment you can find the pod on twitter facebook instagram at hops and b-o flops leave us a comment what movie you'd like to hear us talk about next Mayor McCheese, where can you be found? When I'm not floating through the galaxy as some sort of fear uh, bowel movement, yeah, I am at HBOF McCheese. And Chumzilla. <laughs> you can find me being a questionable role model to children on Twitter at Chumzilla8. <laughs> Are you teaching them ring slinging 101? Oh, you know it. Another can point I train them or can I train them? <laughs> Another point in the movie where I was like, yep, yeah, it lost me. And Thunderous Wizard. Uh, when I'm not uh, using the might of my imagination to summon up a green saber, uh, you can find me at Writer TLK. Uh, you, you'd you hope that if you had the ability to do anything with your imagination, you'd do a little bit better than eh, sword. Okay. Does anyway. Does this whole movie harken back to the scene in Inception where Tom Hardy tells him to dream a little bit bigger and gets the grenade launcher? Uh, ex- excuse me, it's called Amception. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. That's a callback to our long kiss goodnight pod, Amception. Okay, moving on. 
I still think that's a good movie. But you can find all of my controversial opinions on movies at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Tonight's beer is Sierra Nevada's Torpedo. While the name of this extra IPA might not have a name that quite hit the theme, the deep green can is more than appropriate for our Emerald Avenger. That is Avenger with a little a. We are talking DC Comics. This citrusy pine and herbal IPA is no slouch at 7.2 ABV and is available in most places. I think we were all able to get it for the pod. So cheers, gentlemen, to Green Lantern's Light. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, indeed. I'm going to go first. Um, yeah, what do you is, think? This is my, I mean, it's in my top three, so... How many really? how many movies am I allowed to give it? What's the maximum? We Typical only do max is three. You sit through three bad mm, movies. Yeah, I could give it a solid three. I mean, while it's a seven, um, I can literally drink this from noon to midnight at a steady pace, and that's no problem. Just because it's not too aggressive, it's fairly smooth. It's got a lot of alcohol, so you're not wasting your time. But I, I yeah, this is in my top three with like two hearted. Well, oh, fair enough. Technically, that is three movies if you're watching the Snyder Cut three times in a row. That would that would fulfill twelve hours yeah, that's, of your that's time. that's only going to be that's only going to be you. The only person in history that's going to watch it for twelve hours straight is going to be you. I, there's going to be plenty of people who there's are going to be things like that. <laughs> just going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of crying. There's going to be a lot of texting that we, the other three people in this podcast, have to deal with. If you made me watch 12 hours of the Snyder Cut, I'd spend the first two hours chugging as much beer as I could so I could sleep through the rest. Uh, uh, that's harsh. You haven't even seen the movie uh, yet. Yeah, you don't know. That's true. Maybe it will be great. Maybe. Visually, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. That's fair. That. Uh, uh, it's going to be the coolest thing since Sucker Punch. All right, on that note, tonight? Jumpzilla. Jumpzilla, how many bad movies will you sit through for this beer? Uh, I'm in the same opinion as uh, Mary McCheese here. Uh, this is one of my favorite IPAs as well, especially I think it's my favorite like mini macro brew uh, uh, IPA. So I would definitely sit through all three movies with this. Torpedo right, is nice. top notch. Thunderous Wizard? Well, considering the tenor of this pod, I'd sit through three bad friendships for this beer. <laughs> That's how much I like it. Uh, it's really smooth. Uh, it's good. It's it's very good. It's an easy three beer movie. Three movie yeah. beer. Three movie beer. There it is. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I might have called it a two and a half, right? But only because IPA isn't my thing. But at the same time, it is incredibly smooth. It's not one of those IPAs that when you drink it, you go, ah, ooh, yep, that's pine cone. So, yeah, two and a half, three. This is a great beer, everybody. Go out and get get you one. Should we change the scale for you and say, like, how many cosplay outfits would you design while drinking these? I mean, how much time you got? I don't know. You're the one. You're the only one here who does it. So I don't know That's how to equate true. that to a movie. I've made a costume or, or two, but I obviously not like the maniac. Well, listen, <laughs> everybody needs a hobby. And outside of drinking and watching shitty movies and podcasting about them, I, I guess... Until I can, you know, no, no one's digging on you. I'm just saying, will you will you chug torpedo while making whatever oh, your whatever your next big design is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, until I can get a ring that'll just make the costume for me, <sighs> that's gonna be. No, that's no one the next knows. Step. 
No one's going to know who you are with your raccoon, your green raccoon eyes. A ring or 13 different special effects houses to all make your... <laughs> <laughs> I'll settle for either. Listen, Hollywood, however you want to handle it. All right, let's get into it. So, released on June 15th, 2011, Green Lantern was due to be the movie that launched the DC Cinematic Universe. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, the titular Green Lantern. Blake Lively is Hal's love interest, Carol Ferris. Peter Sarsgaard is the principal villain, I guess we'll call him. Uh, testicle head, I mean, <laughs> Hector Hammond. We get serviceable turns from Mark Strong, Jeffrey Rush, Michael Clark Duncan, and Tamara Morrison as the Green Lanterns Sinestro, Tomar Ray, Kilowog, and Abin Sur, respectively. Uh, Taika Waititi is here as Thomas Kalmaku. Does, do you remember them ever actually saying his name other than calling him Tom at one point? No. Uh, no, he's just, uh, hey, you're a best friend to the guy. The the guy that's supposed to be uh, super charismatic but kind of sucks guy. Yeah, hey, I, you're nerdy best friend. Yeah. I didn't even know his name was Tom until now. Yeah, anyway. He doesn't have way, a lot to do, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also worth mentioning are Tim Robbins as Senator Hammond, the principal villain's dad, and Angela Bassett as Amanda Waller of uh, Suicide Squad fame, though not the same character, I would guess. Uh, and finally, uh, Clancy Brown is here as the voice of the biggest bad or the greater scope villain, the alien turd cloud Parallax. The film was directed by Martin Campbell of GoldenEye, Casino Royale, and Mask of Zorro fame. Clocks in at about 114 minutes with a budget of $200 million. Green Lantern only managed to pull back $220 million. Some sources say that this cost the movie studio $75 million. Critics were no kinder to the film. It sits at 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah, I saw this opening weekend, and... Uh... I'm not at all shocked by any of the numbers that uh, came after that. Yeah, man. I uh, I saw it opening weekend, too, with a buddy from work who was a giant nerd, too. And we both walked out of that and went, what? what just happened? I mean, it was a long time ago. And I know you were a bigger Green Lantern fan than I was. And I remember I like texting you like, holy shit, this was terrible. <laughs> what the hell? I just... I do not know what anyone was fucking thinking here. I just, I, I don't get it. Well, I think the clear thing here is that uh, DC had seen and Warner Brothers had seen the success of Iron Man and they wanted to recreate that, that type of movie. They're like, oh, we can do this snappy, somewhat narcissistic, character-driven superhero movie. And when Green Lantern was like the next property up. They've been trying to make this movie for a while. Yeah. And and there's like, hey, let's we'll let's we'll we'll, you know, hey, we need somebody sort of like uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. that can do that kind of thing because the studio wanted uh, Ryan Reynolds, not the director. Oh right. So yeah, I think that he, was directly uh... related to trying to get that same type type of Robert Downey character in there. And we'll talk about some of the things that reasons that we think this thing failed. Yeah. And part of that is because uh, apparently Ryan Reynolds and the director constantly clashed, hated each other. It was miserable on set. Yeah, didn't is it the story that they hired him without even telling Martin Campbell? Yes. Yes. Like, oh, here he That's is. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he wanted Bradley Cooper, and I've got to be honest with you, 
I think Bradley Cooper fits the role a lot better for Hal Jordan. I actually don't think Ryan Reynolds is the problem with this movie. No, it's the way the characters are written, I think. He's not like yeah. ever redeemable. Like he he's a chicken shit for the majority of the movie. This is kind of like white privilege the movie. He actually isn't good at anything and actually is reckless, but somehow just to you know, just skates by. It's Bailing like up it's movie. like if Top Gun centered around Cougar. <laughs> okay, Not all right. We should get into our one sentence description because that was good. I like that. Slider, um, you stink. Yeah. All right. So IMDb has what I think is actually a fairly comprehensive one liner for this reckless test pilot. How Jordan is granted an alien ring that bestows him with otherworldly powers that inducts him into the intergalactic police force, the Green Lantern Corps. Which I mean, yeah. I mean, they they got that right. I feel like for once. All right, you guys, what, are, what is your one-sentence description? Let's start with Chumzilla. Van Wilder, Aquaman's dad, not Amber Heard, Mr. Maggie Gyllenhaal, and two guys from the Shawshank Redemption star in DC's attempt to ape the success of Iron Man. Gentlemen, this is 2011's Green Lantern. Nailed it. Mayor McCheese. I'm going to start the same, but a little bit different. Van Wilder must protect Earth from a loose space bowel movement and Keither Sutherland's time-traveling experiment gone wrong. And Blake Lively's here. Which is nice. I mean, it's always nice to see Blake Lively. I can't I, I'm not upset that. about it. Yeah, right. Thunderous Wizard? Shallow Hal Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's pretty oh, good. damn. It, which is hilarious because apparently at one point they wanted Jack Black to be a Green Lantern. Yes. Yeah, Smigel wrote a script and uh, it's like him using his powers to like create green dildos and things of that nature they're like yeah, which no you mean you mean one of the dorks from wayne's world 2 wrote a green lantern movie oh yeah he came all the way he got dropped off at the parking ride went went over to yeah. wb studios came up from aurora thought thought what this movie needed was some green dicks anyway i mean uh, it couldn't have hurt <laughs> i mean at this stage we got close because at the end of the day what is Hal Jordan, if not a giant green dildo. Uh, my one sentence is going to be yet another in a series of misses for DC properties that are not Batman or Harley Quinn. That's all it is. All right, let's dive into the plot. Um, I am going to be real broad with this because this movie does a lot of explaining and not much telling. The film opens with an exposition dump that billions of years ago, the Guardians of the Universe used the green essence of willpower ha. to lead an, an intergalactic police force called the Green Lantern Corps. And if that sounds insane to you, you haven't read the comics, I guess. I have not read the comics, and when that happened at the literally the start of the movie, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you guys are asking a lot from me right now. Yeah, and the worst part is we get that same basic exposition dump at least two more times in the movie. Oh no! They, like, they have oh, to re they reinforce it. Yeah, they really need to drive that point home that your pure green will can defeat yellow fear. I'm like, I didn't realize we were gonna put colors in these fucking things. <laughs> yeah, I've got something about the colors. We'll come back to that, Mary McCheese. But uh, you know what I find entertaining is they also explain to us that there's 3,600. Is it 3,600? 3, yes. Uh, green lanterns. Uh, you know, for the 3,600 sectors that they have the, the universe divided into. And they're supposed to be this intergalactic police force. But every time we see them, they're all together just dicking around. 
Like, listen, they clearly go out of their way to show massive crowds of these Green Lanterns of all different alien species, but they're just hanging out at the station. They're not actually well, out like patrolling the streets. Yeah. You know, when they're not protecting, they're at a essentially a big green rave on their own home planet. This is the intergalactic equivalent of the Springfield Police Department from The Simpsons. And then you have and then you have British Max Strong, who's apparently an alien from another world who has a British accent. <laughs> Listen, Mark Strong is always British in everything that he's in. It doesn't very matter. It's, uh, he's the, I will admit he's almost unrecognizable. True. It's very true. Like uh, He does a great – I mean, he's very it, clearly Sinestro. I give yeah. him that. I mean, as a guy that he's always harps on the comic-accurate yeah. appearances, this movie sort of looks good in that regard. I mean, they go super weird with it. It's definitely more Star Trek than Star Wars, right? A lot of rubber forehead aliens. You're going to have yeah. that. And it's like, I'm totally there for that. I, I enjoyed that part of it. It looks better than it is, um, except for the except for the CGI suits. But we'll get there. Moving on. All right. Yeah. So we haven't even made it past the exposition because then they then later explain that one of the Guardian or one of the Green Lanterns, Abin Sur, managed to contain this malevolent, malevolent being, Parallax, in a place in the Lost Sector. And Parallax is a being of pure fear energy, the yellow energy. Then in the present day, Parallax escapes from his prison by devouring a couple of crashed refugee aliens that just happened to be on that planet in the Lost Sector because why not? We need an inciting incident. Plot. Plot happens. Yeah, yeah so, and I'm just glad that, that Parallax is only three souls away from being a planet-devouring monster. I Listen, when you've got... Fear, sometimes you just need... Th I, I can't fucking explain this. I'm trying. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, there, I know there is no chance I'm going to join the Green Lantern Corps because just talking about this fucking thing sucks the will out of me. Maybe I could sign up for the Sinestro Corps, though. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got openings. So. Right? Red Lanterns for the win. That's a good point. All right, we'll, and we'll get into the colors in, at the end of this. But... So now Parallax is pursuing Abinsur across the galaxy. He wants revenge. He managed to attack Abinsur. Abinsur crash lands on Earth where he tells his ring to go find a worthy successor. Smash cut to Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan, who is waking up late to be, go to his job being a test pilot for Ferris Aircraft. Uh, there he has a woman in his bed because... I mean, he is Ryan Reynolds, so... I mean, 2011 Ryan Reynolds, you can't really be a fair, right? No, it's it's pretty awful because, yes, he wakes up next to a naked female, so we all know how suave and cool he is. He's, he's so already, cool, you guys. He's already late for his job. Uh, and that girl's not Blake Lively. That is not his love interest. He's just, you know, out there just nailing chicks. That's how he does, because he's, he's a bro. Because he's cool. He's literally, like, <laughs> high school asshole cool. Like, I don't try... <laughs> Trying to fucking losers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah, but this is why you hire Ryan Reynolds, correct? Like, just you look at his face and you're like, yep, that's the dude who's. Well, that, that's be... why you hire Ryan Reynolds to play Deadpool. Well, being a, I mean, being a dick is not necessarily a character trait attributed to the Green Lantern. Well, they. Uh, uh, except, except for, kind of except for Guy Gardner. Yeah, he's <laughs> a dick. But this, this isn't Guy Gardner. This is Hal Jordan. Again, I Hal Jordan's not a dick in the comics until he gets possessed by Parallax. That that's a different thing. This seems like a very down the line conversation. I've never read the comics. I have no idea. I just figured they saw Van Wilder and they're like, 
Yeah, that's a dude we need. No, no, the that's studio saw Iron Man and they said, "Yeah, we want that in our movie. We need it. We need a smug, smarmy, you know, arrogant guy. Quick well, talking dude." That the proposal made a shitload of money. Yes, that, yeah. that silly movie with the yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Ryan Reynolds was on the upswing. He was Hollywood currency at that yeah. point. Studios were like, "We're going to use this dude to make money." If they wanted a smarmy, suave, good-looking dude, why didn't they just hire Jim Belushi? He was too point. busy being one of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> his his Blues Brother card was real full at that point. Yeah, this is this is definitely yeah. peak according to Jim time. Too, when, so. when they told him to say the Green Lantern oath, he just said "Big Ben, Big Music." They're like, "What the? What does that mean?" Quick sidebar: Who would watch this as a shot-for-shot retake with Jim Belushi and Ryan Reynolds spot? I hundred percent would. 100%. If only to watch Blake Lively shudder when she's made to kiss Jim Belushi. Ah, yeah, that is so, so gross. <laughs> he, he tastes like bourbon and lint. And, and why do you keep trying grease. to sell? Why do you keep trying to sell me an album out of the back of your car? I don't want it. So Hal goes to his job as a test pilot, uh, where they're trying to fly robot airplanes. Don't worry, the robot airplanes don't come back again. Uh, oh, yeah, they do. They did the movie Stealth. Yeah, no. No, they, no, they, they, they literally need them for the boss fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blake Lively hacker mans them and shoots missiles at the space monster. Yeah. For... The planet-eating space monster is totally vulnerable also, we, to Earth missiles. We need some future robot technology if you're going to compete with Iron Man. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. And Ballistic X versus Sever. No, we don't, we don't mention that on this pod anymore. <laughs> We are well, really I bad. The colon. Ballistic colon. Oh, Ballistic yeah. colon. That's a demerit for me. I left the colon out. Yeah. So he manages to crash his plane, crash the other two planes, uh, and basically costs his, his boss the contract by breaking the rules. Yeah, hold on. Because I'm going to go into this scene a little more in depth because it's one of the most useless scenes in the movie. And this whole plot point does not come back. The, the, the planes do, the plot point does not. He, except he gets, it does help him have his little uh, con air moment. But regardless, it really, the whole plane thing didn't really need to be in the movie. But yes, it's also teaching us what kind of guy Hal Jordan is, right? So what he does, Blake Lively is his co pilot, and, uh, or not co pilot, wingman. They're out there and they're supposed to have a dogfight with these drones, and no one's been able to beat the drones yet. So what Hal does is decide that he's going to use his wingman as a bait, and then he's going to engage the drones. She gets shot down, and then, so did it work? I don't really know. Then he has the drones chase him as he climbs at a steep angle until all their planes uh, stall out. And for some reason, the drones can't restart, and he starts to tumble as well. He apparently has time to recover, but he starts having flashbacks about his dad's death. He freezes and then ejects at the last minute. So he crashed the two drones, he crashed his jet, and fucked up everybody's day because now apparently no one's going to buy those drones anymore. It's like, well, can't you just like fix them? But my, to make them fly higher or something like that seems like an easy thing to fix. And as a very, as they point out in the movie, that's a very unlikely scenario for a pilot to do, to sacrifice himself, to take out a couple of drones. But regardless, all of this reeks of Iron Man. It, it's like the icing scene from Iron Man one. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like the icing problem. What? Yeah. It, it's like, 
come on. And it's just totally, it's, I guess it's supposed to be character development, but again, it's more of just Ryan Reynolds being a dick and not caring about other people. I mean, honestly, Hal Jordan, excuse me. Could could you ask for a better person to be a space cop? I say no. Yeah, well. And so does the ring, because that's when he gets yanked by the ring to middle of nowhere, uh, where Abinsur's plane has crashed. I mean, I'm skipping over the fact that he went, he goes to a birthday party with his nephew and I guess one or two brothers. It doesn't really matter. They don't show up again either. And apparently they, they, they like weren't in the script uh, when they started shooting the film, but they decided like, oh, this guy sucks. We got to make him more human. <laughs> we got to give him a kid he can be nice to for two minutes of screen time so we don't totally hate this guy. Yeah, I mean, again, this is how we know how Jordan's a cool dude. He bangs chicks and he's the cool uncle. <laughs> he, he is the cool uncle, and he makes references to the fact there are no dancing girls at his 11-year-old nephew's birthday party. And it, also that his 11-year-old nephew is sitting in his bedroom by himself, sulking at his own birthday party because he's so distraught after seeing his uncle almost die in a plane crash because I guess he's also bummed out because his grandpa died or something, being Hal's dad, like... The kid's got emotional problems. For the He's like record, sad and, why and does the kid know about top secret government test flights? Oh my god, it's because <laughs> it's on the fucking news. The the <laughs> news has the super pa- in this movie. the The news is always on whatever is actually relevant to whatever needs to happen in that scene. Yeah. Also, Hal's a dick because he got into a motorcycle accident. I guess because that yeah. also makes him a dick. Yeah. So anyway, we're skipping over that. Yeah. The ring transports him to a place where he finds Abinsur. And actually, to his credit, in one of the the nice character beats, the second that Hal realizes that there's someone hurting the ship, he takes off like a bolt and tries to help him. That to me, I'm like, oh, okay, I get why the ring's picking him now. At least he does one good thing before he gets handed godlike power. In okay, hand- but hold hold on. In that scene, though, yeah, I have one big gripe. He, you know, cracks a few jokes. That scene works pretty well. It, 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 it's very, you know, comic book origin story, it, yeah. all that. But he touches the same spot. He touches the wound on his shoulder, chest, shoulder area. Yeah, that's the same spot. Wound. That's the same spot that uh, Hector Hammond touches, and he gets all parallaxed. Well, he gives him he gives him a graze over. I think uh, yeah. Hammond sticks, pro- yeah, sticks his whole hand right in the, his hand in yeah. the wound. To be fair, Hector Hammond is a scared little bitch, so that just fed <laughs> right on his hand. He's like, mm, this fear. Yeah. I'm going to turn your head into a giant testicle. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So... Hal Jordan gets the ring. Uh, he Abinsur dying tells him to put on the ring and speak the oath, having no idea what that means. Uh, before he finally gets home and is playing with the the lantern in the ring and finally bumps the ring against the lantern and it does the like the he's t- he's overcome by the power of the ring and does the in brightest day and blackest night speech. Hey, I have some overarching questions because i don't read the comic books do you want to do those now yeah you know what let's go ahead and do them up front because that'll probably make it easier well it it pops up in it does he have to charge the ring yes that's a thing from the comics where every so often you have to charge the ring that doesn't actually come up really in this film 
but it, once when it makes it, Hal look like a dick. Well, it comes up as a joke, but I'm thinking, like, he's got a lot of boss fights coming up. Like, how do you know that you've put enough juice in that iPad to get you through it? Uh, listen, there's enough juice in the ring as the plot requires. That's yeah. a very valid point. He, yeah, uh, I'm un- unclear on the frequency it has to be, like, because he you know, I mean, stuck he back in the, the lantern, right? Yeah. He, he gets the ring, he does nothing with it, and then immediately, like, is that when you buy something new, and they're like, hey, before you use this uh, fucking new iPod, charge that shit. Well, it had, that... it had like a half charge, you know, like you get a yeah. new phone, you turn it on, it's got a half charge. So yeah, he had it, just it, enough juice to punch out that dick bag who's like, watch your back. I'm going to oh, threaten yeah, you yeah. in front of a bunch of other professionals. Yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah, also yeah. we see our hero murder three people in an alley, but we'll get there. Yeah, hey, but... So I think I've got a theory now that we've talked about the ring charging. That's the reason Adam Sir had to use a spaceship and not just fly with his magic ring, because he was saving the charge for whoever was going to get it next. Yeah, or maybe Boom, because he, he was worried he had to fight Parallax. He wanted that thing at full charge. Yeah, okay. Okay, but in any case... Blake Lively, Carol Ferris. I got to do a better job of differentiating. Carol Ferris shows up to Hal Jordan's door. They go to get a drink. That That's wonderful, whatever. Then Hal Jordan leaves the building, and as we said, three professionals from Ferris Aircraft show up to accost him in the alley. They literally just work his ass over. Yeah, and they, I mean, they really jumped the gun, because we're going too far ahead in the plot here, but they end up, Everything end up it all works out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, essentially, if he wasn't Green Lantern, they would have kicked the shit out of him for turn around and be like, "Oh, hey, sorry, thanks. You actually got us the contract." <laughs> I, I guess we'll see it work on Monday. Yeah, because at that point they they make another comment about, "Oh, you cost us our jobs. Half the company got laid off." Yeah, and this is all in the span of like seventy-two hours. Like no, the movie like takes the place same over day, I'd say, practically. Yeah. It's like that night. Yeah. So, but in, in getting into this dust-up with these three dudes, Hal Jordan manages to activate the ring where he literally just summons a big fist that punches these dudes, some of whom threw a brick wall, which definitely kills them. I mean, if they're definitely in the hospital for a while. I don't, know if, it's straight, yeah. I don't so, know if it's straight murder, but it's, it's bad. I mean, you're not going to explain that away. Like, I, I've been at the gym a lot. Uh, yeah, if this movie's Con Air, he, he's in the hole with, you know, Cyrus the Virus. And at that point, the ring takes over and shoots him away to Oa, which, honestly, the time on Oa is the best part of the film for me. Uh, hold on. TV, TV time out again. I, right. like how the, I like how the ring waited until this point to be like, oh, shit, I should explain to him. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to figure I'm going to tell this him guy how this thing I'm gonna works. Let him, I'm going to let him tell everything to his best friend, and then I'm going to let him hang out with his girlfriend and have some shots. I'm going to let him get his ass kicked. I'm going to let him use me once, and then I'm going to pick his ass up, fly him across the universe to tell him what's happening. Yeah, so... And, uh, and oh, hold on on that note. So how shit-faced was the guy at the, the new ring acquisition switch that he's like, Oh fuck! He just killed three guys in an alley. <laughs> yeah, you better you better call him back. Call him back um, quick. Michael Clark Duncan has to explain to him how this thing works. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have made more sense if he just gotten his butt kicked and then the ring pulls him out to save him. Other than like like oh shit, we gotta get out of here. 
<laughs> what would make the most sense is the second he turns the or the second he puts the ring on and picks up the lantern and it flies his ass out there so he can get training like every job that everyone's ever taken. Yeah, maybe save him from the government Apache helicopters that are coming to find the dead alien you buried <laughs> under a bunch of rocks. Uh, Lantern Sector 2814, what the fuck are you doing? So, any case, he gets taken to Oa, uh, which is the planet of the Guardians and the home world of the Green Lanterns. This is where we get our first shot of the fully CG suit, which I want to take just a second and say, I really think this was a good idea that was just poorly executed. Because the problem with the fully CG suit is that, like, I don't know if the technology wasn't there, but it kind of creates this image of just a, a weird floating head of Ryan Reynolds as he kind of emotes. It's the lesson they should have learned with floating ruffalo head that they didn't. <laughs> Jesus. I, I watched that again the other day. That's so bad. Uh, no, so are we going to talk about the suit later or do we want to have a little conversation? Let's talk now? about the suit now. Okay. Well, so my understanding is they wanted to get away from the X-Men um, style suits, the leather and spandex we'd seen in the previous superhero films. Which I think is a great instinct. So, yeah, exactly. They wanted something different, and they went the CG route. Um, I think this is, like, a good idea in theory, but they should have seen, like, the tests and been like, oh, yeah, no, fuck no, no. Yeah, get, wait, let's, get the, we got to figure something else out. Spray paint those spray paint Jackman suit green like something like we're not doing this because because it just looks unfinished it, it look it literally looks like a guy in a mocap suit like it, it's it's there's the textures aren't good it's just too sleek and honestly you talk about you talk about the uh, floating ruffalo head this is also a lesson clearly the russo brothers didn't learn because iron man looks terrible in the 100 percent cgi suit in my opinion he looked much better in iron man one when they still had a combination of practical and cgi yeah, and one and two. A big thing uh, was obviously their intentions were were good, but this movie was being rewritten so often. Uh, they they really ran out of time to finish most of the CG, from what I understand. Mm. Uh, but it, it's tough because it, there's so many all CG characters. So I guess why give him an actual suit? But the mask is awful. The mask is just awful. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I will say the mask. The mask looks incredibly stupid, and maybe I'm missing it. Maybe you guys can fill me in more on the suit. But I was also watching this on an iPad with a glare, so it didn't look horrible. It didn't look great, but no, it, 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 probably, it probably would have looked worse if I had it on the big screen. Yeah, I think the thing I would say about it, McCheese, is that it looks like it has no weight. Now that's true. I mean, that might the be weird, the weird glimmering in like the part where he pinches himself. I was like, that's dumb, but I, yeah. I wasn't so off put that I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and and I think you know the other thing about the, the studio's decision was they wanted, at least not the studio, the writers wanted the suit to be actually like an energy construct. So that was kind of how they, like in their headcanon, how they explained that it would have that CGI appearance is that it's not a physical suit. It's it's part of the ring's powers. And I'm like, okay, Which that's again, great. That's from the comic, and I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it, it, except it looks like shit. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, it, the idea, great. The execution, shit. So much of this movie, I feel like there's like the it's the there's a kernel of a good idea just completely fucked up. Random random background question: When did 
when did Green Lantern the comic come out? Like what was uh, the, era? the original Green Lanterns or is it in the forties? Okay, this, so yeah, this so, version so of the Green Lantern is the sixties. No, yeah, because I, I sent you I, the I, picture I, of the Golden Age Green Lantern McCheese. That's the one in the the red blouse with the yellow cape. Yeah, well, th- I mean, this is the silver. What we're getting is basically the Silver Age version of Green Lantern, effectively. The reason I'm asking, the reason I'm asking, it's the same thing I was texting Chumzilla about earlier. Is this is that era of superheroes where, if you no, no offense to T Dubs, you throw on a set of glasses or the Groucho Marx like nose, and oh, no one knows who you are. And I actually like the part in this movie where Blake Lively's like, "How?" <laughs> yeah, he was on the planet. They're like. No I've seen you know. naked. You think covering your cheekbones is going to fool me? <laughs> no Which one's going to know. Is an ad lib. Yeah. No one's going to know with your raccoon eyes, your green raccoon eyes, that you aren't the same exact uh, fucking person. I, I'm sorry. It's a domino mask. Thank you. That is technically <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Just to nerd out a little bit, uh, McCheese, Superman has a glamour effect, like one of the uh, sexy vampires from True Blood, where he can fool people into thinking he's something he's not. So. Oh, so the, this is the same thing you shoot for when we go to the bars and it doesn't work out? Uh, no, I don't think my glamour <laughs> try, is at all You try to glamour a bunch of people and <laughs> no. they're like, uh, you're just drunk and you have your shirt off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's a thing, all right? <laughs> it's, a thing, wait, wait. it's a thing Superman can do, okay? Uh, so let's talk some more about Eric Norris. It's a shimmery, sparkly Kryptonian? Yeah. Uh, 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 no, what? separate vampires. <laughs> Oh yeah, True Blood, not yeah. Twilight. Yeah, True Blood are the vampires that just have raucous sex and drink uh, V8 juice. Okay, so warmed up V8. Uh, so, Rennie Harlan, basically. All right, focusing back to the film, we basically we get the training montage uh, where Tomare, uh, Kilowog, and Sinestro all try to teach Hal Jordan how to use his ring. We get. What I feel like are decent-looking constructs. So they yeah. use the ring to create swords. They use the ring to you've create. Go, you've guns. gone too far. You've gone too far without explaining the best line in this movie where the movie lost me. Well, please. <laughs> where Michael Clark Duncan loves. What is it? Let me show welcome you. Welcome to ring, ring slinging yeah. 101. Welcome to ring slinging 101. I couldn't remember if it was welcome or let me show you. Yeah, welcome I, to ring slinging 101. And I was like, nope, Poozer. that's it. And I'm sorry, that's not Michael Clark Duncan. That's Kilowog. Thank you. Uh, my, yes. my apologies. Kilowog looks just like my dog Gino, and it's it really killed me throughout <laughs> throughout his portion of the film. Did Did Gino show you ring slinging 101? Uh, no, fart slinging maybe, but not ring slinging. That's what you do with bulldogs. Oh, he might be a yellow lantern then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's red rocket slinging. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so the thing I find frustrating is he trains for an afternoon, an hour, and then goes back to Earth, and that's it for Oa. Everybody. Uh, meanwhile, well, if you could ring sling like Kilowog, it would take you an hour too. Listen, I I'm no pooser. I could probably ring sling with the best of them. I guess yeah, he, he gets his ass handed to him and then they send him home to be the defender of whatever sector Earth is in. they didn't send him home he goes i fucking suck at this i'm gonna <laughs> quit this is terrible he's like a he's like an eight-year-old at, t- at, at in his like first baseball team he's like this sucks dad i'm going home oh, boop, 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 boop. and then he does it again he does that again and yet he's still the hero 
Uh, and it's Sector 2814, for the record. Earth is part of Sector 2814. Meanwhile, all this is happening. Uh, the scientist, Hector Hammond, who has a history with uh, Hal Jordan and Carol Ferris, has been summoned by his father, the Senator Robert Hammond, uh, to a secret government facility to do an autopsy on Abin Sur's body uh, under the eye of Amanda Waller, uh, which, again, Amanda Waller is the one who creates the Suicide Squad, yada, yada, but... It's kind of a neat wink to the audience if you're familiar with the character. Uh, but as he's doing the autopsy, a piece of parallax sort of jumps out of the wound and pricks him in the finger and infects him with the yellow evil light of fear, which gives him telekinesis, telepathy, but also drives him insane and m turns his head into a giant testicle. Like, I get that... Hammond was is meant to be dislikable, but he comes across mostly as sad and creepy. And it's real hard to like, oh, this guy's a threat. It's yeah, it is. And it's also like these three are supposed to be very intimately connected and there's supposed to be some sort of real history with his father. And we get none of it. Like yeah, did Tim I miss Robbins that? is not like the guy you hire to be like, oh, that guy sucks. Did, did I miss yeah, the whole link? Like, it's, is it just Hal and Hammond both are obsessed with Blake Lively? Is there something else? Like, I feel like I've missed something. Yeah, what you missed was a scene they cut out of the movie, which is uh, part even, of the extended cut where they go in fact the, not sufficient. Right, but apparently they were childhood friends. Yeah. Yes, they, they knew all each other as children. And so... For, for a bit there, I thought they were actually like siblings, and I was like, oh, Hammond and Hal? But that they don't... They're not even close. Yeah. Uh, Hal's always been the cool screw-up. Hammond was always the overachiever who couldn't uh, live up to his father's expectations. And Carol was the clean-cut one who was going to achieve great things. But they were all very close friends who then go down these, like, divergent paths. So they were just high paths. school. But they you don't learn any of that, that in this gets... movie. Yeah. And he, they, yeah, they he were... had a crush on uh, Gossip Girl. Which... Yeah, they're, they were high school crushes, and we don't really get the whole play out until they're in, like, their weird death spiral, where yeah. he's like, you were always the coolest, and I was yeah. the loser. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they give you nods to it at the party, which is basically the next scene, where, you know, Hal shows up, and he sees Hector, and like, Hal, Hector? Oh, so, oh, they know each other. Okay, cool. And the, the dad, Hammond, Tim Robbins, is like, oh, you, Hal, you were... You're a doer. There are people who are thinkers, quote, or parentheses, like my shitty son. But you're a <laughs> doer. You're, you're not a thinker. And I'm like, it's mm. how do you not take that as sort of an insult? It's well, very it, the it, opposite of Norman Osborn. It's like, hey, you underachieved your whole life. I think you're the fucking man. My son, though, <laughs> he got his PhD. He's such a loser. <laughs> such a loser. <laughs> such a loser. He didn't wake up with a naked lady in his bed this afternoon and get chosen for an internet or intergalactic space cop force he sucks i'll just say this the the, the uh, concept of action for the sake of action is uh is pretty fascist uh pretty, uh, pretty fascist and, and, and again it it tells you i think unironically that tim robbins is a bad guy because he's celebrating the fact that that uh hal jordan's kind of a dick yeah, that's a fair point. 
So, and, and, and of course, that drives, you know, I, I do find Hector Hammond to be a sympathetic character, but he's basically written as an incel. Yeah, kind of. He sort of hates the world because he feels like he can't have things because it, the world's just not meant for people like him. Um, he's, and, uh, he's very poorly written, yeah. And I don't blame that. Yeah, it's like, I don't think it's necessarily intentional, but they just don't give him enough, like... Uh, room to breathe outside of some very stereotypical like nerd stuff yeah and like, i mean he doesn't come off like an evil villain he didn't ask for any of this yeah and that's the thing like how much of what he's doing is because he got infected with an alien monster right and only because his dad pulled some strings to get him the gig yeah because he's just apparently a random college professor well, I mean, on the flip side of that it's the same with hal he didn't ask for any of the green green lantern shit yeah, oh, no, I, he doesn't and, turn into a testicle monster. He gets he gets a, to fly and be cool. Like, he, he's all, he turns into a giant green dildo. It's yeah, basically he, 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 and he doesn't even want it. He's like, oh man, this is too much work, dude. I, this, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Ah, oh, fuck that. Yeah, I don't know. But this is where we get the the next big Green Lantern scene, Gosh. where Hector Hammond tries to kill his father, who's getting in a helicopter. He, I, like. Which, it's the most insane thing. He uses his telekinesis to launch a beer cap into the sky, which gets into the rotor of a helicopter, the tail rotor, which sends this into a spiral. So Hal Jordan's got to jump into action to save everybody, including Blake Lively. And this this is the point where I went, <laughs> oh no, they don't know what the fuck they're doing with this whole ring thing. Because Hal uses his powers to create a fucking Hot Wheels like body around the the helicopter and a it's, Hot Wheels track to like yeah. get it to land safely. And I'm like, you can literally do any. You, you're just thinking of the thing you saw in your nephew's fucking bedroom. Yeah, but uh, also don't forget Captain Cash. That's product placement. That's true. There, there's dollars in that. That's a different I kind of green. I could have I could have accepted it if that scene with the nephew had anything to do with it. Like if they had some weird moment over that Hot Wheels track when he was trying to like teach him like the hey, I'm not going to die like my dad kind of thing. But no, like he spins a little car through it. And then later, the first big action sequence we get is the cheesiest shit of all time. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's like, that's the only thing that came to his mind. Like, you know, like just like whatever pops up in there, that's what he goes with kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> uh, I mean. Well, he did He did quit training. <laughs> he did leave training because he was getting beat up. And and I, I'm going to, we're going to talk about it now because I don't want to talk about it later because it might not come up. So I am iffy. I'm not a Green Lantern reader. So I am aware of the character, but I was never like a guy that read his books. And I always thought his like Green Lantern powers were a little more, you know, he's done the hand thing and stuff like that. But I thought they were a little more like less literal than what we get in this movie. Like, I don't think he can make like a flamethrower or a gun, right? He can't make he's kind of like the T-100. He can't make mechanical things, can it he? Depends, the T-1000, excuse me. It's a, it depends on who's wielding the ring. If If they're technical enough to think it, they can. So John Stewart can absolutely make gun or make a, a functioning gun because he's an engineer. But the other 
lanterns like Kyle Rayner or Guy Gardner are a lot less literal. Kyle Rayner's an artist, so his are very kind of ethereal and, yeah, and well, fancy. That's, well, that's more the vein I was familiar with with Hal Jordan. You know, just yes, very much so. From, from like you know, watching the cart, the Super Friends cartoons and what whatnot. And uh, anyway, I just that really turned me off when he makes the the machine gun out of it. I'm like, ah, no, that's I, that's a legit thing. Like the bullets themselves are a construct of his mind. The flamethrower makes no sense because it's I mean, a literal. It shoots actual flame. Flame comes right, out yeah, of it's his not green flame. It's flame orange, yellow flame. Like, yeah, that one makes no sense. And then it okay. creates the hot liquid. He sends it testicle face, uh, which apparently doesn't scar him at all. Yeah. Ah! Was... So so this is this is later after. You know, so Hal has saved Blake Lively. I keep saying Carol Ferris. Uh, they meet up and we Carl, get Carol just Danvers. Stick, just stick with Blake Lively. It's much yeah. easier. <laughs> but. But we do get the great line where, uh, which again, apparently Blake Lively ad-libbed, which was, I've seen you naked. You think I wouldn't recognize you because you covered your cheekbones? I'm like, okay, you, at least one person understood what this movie was. Thank you, Blake Lively. Boy, that scene is friggin' brutal, though, isn't it? <laughs> uh, he And Hal uses his ring to, like, lower his voice Batman style. It's yeah, so that's... I'm just here to help, ma'am. I'm sorry, ma'am. With it, great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Oh my god, it's oh, brutal. Whatever. It's brutal. It's, it is so brutal. Yeah. So then, and like, it's confusing, but everybody is back at the, the lab because at this point, Hector Hammond has fully mutated into testicle head, and it is ridiculous. But apparently, Peter Sarsgaard thought he looked great and dubbed himself King of the Prosthesis, which I it, guess is a thing. Uh, it, it looks fine. It's a practical effect. Yeah. Where, <laughs> it, looks, where, it looks very good compared to the CGI suits. I actually the, love him in this movie. So he he also knows, like, hey, this thing sucks. I'm just going to turn the amp up to 11. Oh, yeah. He hams it up villain style. Very appropriate. No complaints. But, where it loses me is when, I can't remember her name, when the government lady first Amanda shows Waller. up. Amanda Waller. Yeah, when she first shows up and sees him in mutated form, she just accepts it. She, like... In yeah. my mind, she should have walked in and been like, "What the fuck? <laughs> you uh, you need to go to the hospital at least no, right she's, now." She's just like, "Hey, bud, um, <laughs> we're gonna need to like, can you just cut? Like, can you come with us for a couple seconds? Because you don't walk into that. I mean, I guess unless you see some crazy government shit and see this mutated testicle head brain man." And not be like, oh fuck, oh shit, oh um. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to talk to you, but it's gonna be difficult because I'm I'm in the process of throwing up in my mouth right now, just <laughs> looking at <Yeah>. you. <laughs> that scene desperately Built. needed Wayne and Garth doing the thing with the guy with the eye and the uh, yes in the <laughs> in or the just park build, office. Build some human reaction into her where you like if you see that in the world, you're just just like all right cool you're not just gonna accept it you're gonna at least react to the even, fact that he is now a mutant yeah even as dead andy dufresne's like don't worry son we're gonna fix you and your giant fucking melon like, <laughs> your giant God. pulsating testicle head i'm just saying it was not like, really yeah, on character for tim robbins to say we're gonna fix you he should have been like kill it with fire and get me <laughs> out of here well <laughs> which is ironic I, I, I think, because I, I, that I, is that that is how 
Tim Robbins' character meets his end, Hector Hammond uses his mind abilities to kill Tim Robbins with fire. Yeah, and that scene was very Spider-Man 2-y to me. Yes, it, it was very much the, the scene Doc where Ock Doc Ock gets free. Yeah. Yeah. And like... Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with Mayor McCheese though. I think the way that scene goes down in the real life is like, yeah, hey Hector, don't worry, we're gonna take good care of you. You know, Amanda here is gonna get some doctors in. We're gonna take good care of you. Don't worry. And as he walks out, he says to her, "Go ahead and finish him off." Just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah, yeah. yeah. The like, first thing she does is like, "Don't ever let him come out of sedation. Like, keep him under forever because his head is fucking enormous." <laughs> <laughs> and what's the first thing they do? Let him come out from under sedation. Wake him up. We have a handful of questions, and we're hoping that you're not going to hurt us. <laughs> so all while this is happening, uh, Sinestro has led a team of Green Lanterns to go fight Parallax. They all are immediately killed. So Sinestro tries to convince the Guardians, who are the people we, we kind of glossed over. but they're The, the Council the, of Ricks. Yeah, the blue-headed aliens who created the Green Lantern Corps to forge a yellow ring so he can fight fear with fear. Um, at the end of Hector Hammond killing everybody, Hal jumps in, manages to save Amanda Waller, but connects with Hector Hammond because touching him, he can read your mind. So, Oh, and we get some great, completely unnecessary backstory about Amanda Waller's poor family. Yeah. Yeah. That oh was, yeah. That was kind of fucked up. Yeah, so he touches Amanda Waller, and you can see that her whole family has been killed, which kind of explains why she's a hard, a hard ass, which theoretically uh, theoretically would come up when she runs Suicide Squad, but eh, here's where we're at. I mean, yeah, that just seemed, I'm not going to lie, that just seemed kind of, uh, I think there were some racial stereotypes at play there that made me uncomfortable. Well, but I mean, it. they needed to demonstrate that by touching someone. Yeah, but is that comic accurate? Oh no! I don't know what Hector Hammond's. No, I mean, I mean her backstory. Uh, I don't know Amanda Waller's backstory that well. Yeah, so so like, he could have just, just seen her like playing with her kids or going on vacation, having breakfast. Like, no, her whole family had to be murdered by gun violence. Well, no, the, he needs he needs to find her biggest fear or her biggest source of pain to feed off of it. It's also clearly from another revision of the script where her character may have mattered, which she does not yeah. in this movie at all. Not even slightly. She's totally no, they, wasted. Yeah, I mean, it, again, they, you yada, don't need yada, the flashback. He, he could have just said to her. He could have just touched her and been like, oh, yes, I feel your fear. You know, like, I don't think it was necessary that we had to see some weird montage flashback. Well, but, but again, I find to be questionable. It, that's fair. But at the end of the day, the reason that that's there is because when Hector Hammond and Hal touch at the end of that scene, it connects Hal to Parallax, and Parallax goes, ah, well, I'm going to eat Earth because fuck you, Hal Jordan. And that's that's what sets Parallax off to go devour Earth as opposed to continuing to devour everything else. Is yeah. that because he senses that this is Abin Sur's replacement? Yeah, I think he sen well, he senses the lantern, and that's his biggest... That's his biggest anger point where he wants to kill all the lanterns. There's 3,590 some odd left, so. Listen, I'm well, trying to come up with some sort of excuse. It, yes, Abinsur is his nemesis because Abinsur imprisoned him. But also, uh, Testicle Head is his herald, sort of like the Silver Surfer. 
And when yep. he receives the call, he's like, oh, no, here's a vulnerable... Teskel Head or Silver Surfer. Yeah. A vulnerable planet for me to devour. Yeah. And once I yeah, devour well, that, I can eat Oa. Yeah. I know we're so, getting sure. I know we're getting way off track here, and this is going to be a very long pot. Um, why does he, when he becomes full Teskel Head, why does he also become pretty much a cripple? He's in a, like a motorized wheelchair. Uh, that's comics, I think. Uh, do you know how heavy that fucking head would be? <laughs> I mean, he's, do you he's, see how big my head is currently? He's, he's done walking around when that thing gets double the size. It's over. He would yeah, have just Hector, fell over and be like, help me. Yeah, in the comics, Hector Hammond has a giant head and is usually wheelchair bound. Okay. I didn't know if I missed something or not. You know, I'm sorry. When I saw this movie the first time, because like, I, I saw it many, many years ago uh, on cable, uh, I kept thinking that Hector Hammond was going to be the leader, and then I remembered, no, that's the guy from the Hulk. Yeah, that's Hulk. That's a different. That's a different guy. But you know, Hammond seems to be very derivative of like shit we'd already seen multiple times over in comic book movies, such as Jason and X Two. I mean, honestly, a lot of everything that is in this film is yeah. a. Hey, we we kind of did this very same thing like a year and a half ago, but mm. oh, are we going with the flight club principle? Everything's a copy of a copy of a copy. Kinda. Yeah, nice. But so, yeah, Hal, where were we? Where were we? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so Parallax has said, "Hey, Hal Jordan, I'm gonna eat Earth and everyone on it." So Hal Jordan goes back to Oa to ask for help. Hey, look, I'm ready to be a Green Lantern. Help me. And the Guardians all go, nah, fuck you. Well, he also talks them out of using the fear ring, which is somewhat of a big point, I think. Yeah, and that also reeks of the movie being rewritten constantly because there's nothing about his character up to that point that indicates he would give any sort of rah, rah, rah speech like that. He doesn't even know what the fear ring is. And he, shows <laughs> he doesn't up know what he's supposed he to says, do. Oh, you can't use that. This thing I've never seen before. Sounds like a bad idea. That don't give in to that. It's because he we had one heart. With Will Will is he where had, it's at. Yeah. He had one heart to heart with Blake Lively, and he knows how to fix the universe. Yeah. So he decides. Well, look, you don't have to send the rest of the lanterns. Just send me. I'll defend Earth. And so does he even on, have to ask for permission? Yeah. Can he why just he go? To, why does he have to? Also, ask if he just... quit, why didn't they take the ring back in the beginning? I don't know, it's, a little... no, it's, not, it's not how it works. The ring, like the, chooses, the ring chooses the ring bearer. But he, so left he Earth, has to die. He left Earth to ask them to not help him to come back to Earth. Why does he need permission? Well, he left Earth to ask them to help him to send more Green Lanterns. They, te- they tell him no. He said, okay, yeah. fine. I'm just going to go do it. How yeah. slow is Parallax? That he's able to do several cross galaxy trips in the time it takes for him well, to fuck, show it's up. The same with the, like, yeah, it's the same with the Green Lantern ring. You go to and from Oa as quickly as the plot needs you to. And I gotta say, the whole jumping around like this makes this movie feel longer than it is. I have the perfectly reasonable response to all this. Exactly. So yeah. Hal goes back to Earth to defend from Parallax, which has now showed up. And basically proceeds to murder at least a million people. Like, I would say, yeah. So, uh, well, there's a final confronta- confrontation with Hector Hammond, Carol Ferris, and and Hal Jordan, where Hal Jordan offers Hector the ring to be like, look, take the ring, be whoever you want, but let let Carol go. 
that immediately fails because, as we've established, the ring has to choose you for it to work. Well, this is also the cool kid, not cool kid moment where exactly. he's like, I've never picked on you. If you think that she's going to choose you over me, take the ring. And you're like, okay, I think I've seen this in some sort of high school drama. And also, the scene tries to have that clever twist that the ring doesn't work for Hector. It only works for Hal. And Hal does play into that to allow Hector to believe it by using the ring, I guess. Like, I don't think Hector's the one doing the things with the ring. Hal is doing it like as Hector thinks he's using it, they could have been a little more clever with that. Like I like the idea there that he's trying to fool Hector into thinking he's using the ring, but it's not clear enough. Like to like the casual viewer, it's like, it sure looks like Hector's using the ring. Yeah. Well, you know, in the uh, deleted scene, uh, the ring sticks a shiny green parking cone up Hector Hammond's ass because he's in loser denial. <laughs> but... The lacrosse team does that. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! But yeah. I, uh, anyway, m- yeah, moving, on, so, moving on, moving on, moving on. So Hal manages to save Carol from Hector, only to have Parallax show up on Earth. Parallax eats Hector, and it's it's actually pretty gruesome. Like when the when Parallax eats your fear, it like sucks your soul skeleton and leaves this husk of a like. It's fairly graphic what they yeah, show. Yeah, him. it's very Shang soon. Cool, it's it's cool looking and it's cool looking throughout the entire movie because he does it in the first five minutes and then he yep. does it every time he gets the chance to do it. He's right. a really the, hungry, the thing, hungry the shit cloud. I, the only thing I will not say that I like is the first time he eats the three people who unlock him, he has to ask them first, are you scared or are you afraid? Like, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's essentially the wish master. What do you wish for? I don't know. I think it'd be pretty cool if you sucked my soul out. Can you remove my skeleton from my skin? (laughs) But my purpose in pointing that out is this is a very gruesome end for the bad guy. The very next scene, the cloud descends on a fucking city and we see tens of people on screen get sucked into the cloud and turned into husks of themselves dying in an incredibly graphic way and that that seems really dark for your goofy green lantern movie yeah it gets uh i don't know you know thunderous wizard can chime in because i'm going to say the wrong one but it gets very uh man of steel on the city destroying portion well it's of it. certainly uh galactic uh galactic space semen of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where he's like, I planted my flowers all over the universe, and now it's just going to spread far and wide. Like, a lot of people die in the climax of this yeah. film. Yeah, and and it, I hate the climax of this pa- film. I hate it's it. It's parodied by the goofiest fucking weapons Ryan Reynolds can think of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do a catapult. <laughs> yeah, I, I get, that just bothers me to no end. <laughs> I forgot about the catapult. Jesus. Here's why I hate this, because it they make it very clearly known that if Parallax eats just a few more people, he will be unstoppable. And then he still follows Hal Jordan away from the 15 to 20 people he needs to eat, which would have made him unstoppable. Well, he's it's the, apparently so he's the dumbest. dumb. 
He's the dumbest fucking villain. He was one of the immortals, and he gets tricked by a human who they even say multiple times were the dumbest race. Oh my god! Yes, or the, yes. Or the the newest were young, but whatever. So here, what I find really disturbing with that last scene with Parallax is he rolls through. Is it Coastal City? Is that Coast Greenland City, yes. Coast City, which is basically San Diego? Yeah. Um, so as he rolls through that, and this this movie was actually shot in New Orleans. As he rolls through the city and you see like his space fart cloud rolling down the open <laughs> streets, like the, the, the producers or whatever, the, 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 the studio guys, the, the, VF, the VFX guys wanted to make him appear like the dust clouds from 9-11. Read, read the room. Read the room, guys. What? Yeah, that, that's that was their inspiration for Parallax's appearance because that that was so terrifying. Seeing the video from New York City after September 11th attacks with the dust clouds and the smoke oh, yeah. and stuff rolling down the streets, like, yeah, let's use that in the movie. That'd be really cool. Ten years later, too. Oh, Jesus. All right. So, Hal manages to lure Parallax, the giant fart cloud, away from Coast City. Manages to fly through an asteroid field only to trick Parallax into getting too close to the sun so that Parallax gets drawn into the sun. How's about to die, but then, out of nowhere, the three other Green Lanterns that we know, Sinestro, Tomar Ray, and Kilowog, show up and save Hal Jordan at the last minute. The three of 3,600 other Lanterns who decided this war was not worth their time. The yeah. three. And so I'm going to push my glasses up here. Um, does anybody know which two planets that asteroid belt lies between? Yes. N not us in the sun. Yeah, exactly. Not, uh, fair enough, Mary McCheese. That's the correct answer. So they flew the wrong way to get to the sun, apparently. But they, <laughs> they still get to the sun. They went out past Mars, came back. It's... Oh, it's, it's, you, it's hey, a rogue the, asteroid cloud. That's all you only, have. To the only way to get to the sun is to make a quick pit stop going through Jupiter and Saturn to make sure you cover all your bases, you turn around. Like, listen, oh, this movie definitely went straight to Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Before doubling back to fly into the sun. Yeah, fair. Which, is, which uh, is where it belongs. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the entire Green Lantern Corps congratulates Hal Jordan for his bravery, and Sinestro now tells Jordan that you are the Green Lantern of Sector. Uh, they don't say it in the movie, but it's 2814. In a mid-credit sequel, or a, I'm sorry, in a mid-credit scene, rather, uh, we see Sinestro take the yellow ring, put it on, and he becomes the, the Sinestro villain that we all know and love. Cut to black. That's it for the movie. And that that was Green Lantern. Oh my god, that we all deserve rings for the will for getting through that. Thank all of you. We're going to take a quick break, re-up our beers and we're going to talk about this movie a little bit more. Here's a message from our friends at Hop Nation USA. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrew. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. 
Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking 2011's Green Lantern. We've just completed the plot synopsis, and it felt like it took forever. Hopefully you didn't feel like it took forever. Hopefully you had a good time, but we're going to talk about how many beers we need to enjoy this film. Thunderous Wizard, give us your number. Oh, yeah, this is easily six beers. It took wow. me three sittings to finish this. And as I said, I own this. I own most comic book movies, to be fair, but this is really a tough one to get through. The ending, the last 45 minutes is a total mess. It's a total mess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree that it's a total mess. I don't know that I go a full six, but Mary McCheese, what's your number? So mine's going to be a sliding scale of four to five. Four from initial watch, because I don't know the comic and I've never seen the movie. It wasn't terrible. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. I wasn't pissed off when I finished it. But now, as we've gone through talking about it more, I actually think I should have drank more. So that's my five. So I'm going to go with a four to five. Four to five. All right. Good. Chumzilla. Yeah, you make a really good point, Mary McCheese. Uh, I think the more you know about the comic and the character, the more frustrating this movie is. Um, you know, there's parts of it that work, and it's a competent Hollywood movie. I wouldn't say it's a great superhero movie, but yeah, it's it's palatable. And if you don't know a lot about the characters, it's real easy to to, to not get hung up on some of the weirdness uh, in it. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with the Thunderous Wizard. At two hours long, this is a six beer movie. You just got to dumb yourself down to be uh, ready for that third act. Because that third act is just ugh, fucking hot garbage. Yeah. All right. For me, this was a, a, like, let me preface this by saying, I like Green Lantern a lot. I like the lore. I like the idea. I like everything that they've done with not just the character of Hal Jordan, but the successor Lanterns. Because uh, as, as Green Lanterns go, Hal Jordan is like my fourth favorite just slightly above guy gardner and maybe then and even not that how jordan's kind of fucking boring if you ask me but this is this is a four beer movie at a minimum like it, like maybe five it's i, mean, just, I, I guess the question good. after listening to chumpzilla i guess the question is how much do you know about the source material and how much do you love it because there could be a point where if you're if you're a huge green lantern fan and you start watching this and it's just it's a complete left you're gonna be like oh fuck they ruined my well, favorite thing <laughs> yeah so i mean they there are parts that i feel like are competent and there are parts that i i feel like were really good ideas we've talked about how they use the um we they use the the cgi to create the suit so it was a, a hard light suit i love that idea and it, there are times when it looks pretty cool the domino mask that the thing creates always looks terrible and they make uh what's i want to say hal jordan but it's it's ryan reynolds they make ryan reynolds eyes like light blue when that happens and yeah, and, just, and i don't know what the comic book does but like i can't imagine that a lot of his weapons are this cheese dicky i just well i mean on the comics page it just it reads different it, it, it honestly does the effect is a lot cooler uh, there's scenes in this movie, obviously the training scene that really work where you're like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's neat. Like I'm seeing how this works. Uh, like just, the best, yeah. the best thing I know to compare it to a good version of what the green lanterns powers is, 
is the fight between Doctor Strange and Thanos in Infinity War. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I'm gonna send this at you. Oh fuck it, I turned them into birds. Oh no, that now they're like instead of birds, I've turned them into shards. I mean, I I said it to you guys earlier. Like Doctor Strange is the template for how you make this movie, and it works. You have the guy who's there who betrays him, Baron Mordo. Yeah, Mordo or right, or Sinestro, like or Sinestro. Like you have him literally training and being gone for years. And, oh yeah, and, if you, and if inhabiting you, this new world and becoming this yeah. new person. If you took this but, vehicle and crashed it into that movie, I think it's a really good concept. The template was there, and they just didn't know they they really didn't know what to do, and they tried to go a million different ways. And they're like, "Oh, don't forget, there there has to be a romance here, and there's got to be this." And well, I, yeah, and I'm no. sure you two have some more insight because it sounds like there's a lot of backstory here of why this got fucked up. Well, yeah, and, and let's talk about the uh, that in. Do you think it deserved a flop? Okay. Around the horn, do you think it deserved a flop? Let's start with Trumpzilla. Uh, yeah, it, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, uh, but it is a mess, and it is not a satisfying uh, superhero movie. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in um, just so I can parlay off of what I just said. I, again, I'm I'm doing both answers. Earlier today, when I watched Alone without talking to you dudes, I would have said, yeah, no, at least break even, make a little bit of money. But now that we've been discussing it, yeah, I've switched my answer to yeah, it deserved a flop. Yeah, I think a good thing to point out here is this movie did make a lot of money. <laughs> Um, it just didn't make it probably didn't break even because they marketed the hell out of this movie. Well, plus, I mean, these kind of movies are supposed to make money on the levels that would make our fucking eyes. Spin. Right. Yeah. In fact, e- even the uh, merchandising for this movie didn't move. And it should have uh, because this is a toy dream. Like, yeah. if oh, you yeah, would have could... used the Green Lanterns correctly, you've got 15 to 20 awesome toys that kids would want. Oh, fuck. accessories. Accessories the, for fucking eons. The top three other alien Green Lanterns are so funky and weird looking and cool. Like between Sinestro, Tomar Ray, and Kilowog. Those are all great toys. Yeah. I mean, me, me and T-Dubs used to have huge uh, toy fights when we were kids. And like, if you could have a character that you could be like, hey, you can get the accessory pack and it's just a bunch of different green lantern style attachments that he can generate like you're buying that shit <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah i i think it deserved to flop filmmaking by committee never works when the studio wants one thing a writer wants something else the director really doesn't give a shit about the property to begin with it just doesn't work so this movie is torn in all sorts of different directions and the oa stuff is generally pretty cool and when i watch this with my three-year-old son he loved it. He thought it was badass. The Oa stuff uh, is cool. The Oa is very interesting. Yeah. And you, you see, like, this could have been a really kick-ass space opera, and uh, they fumble that totally. So, yeah. yeah I, like, the point I'm trying to make to McCheese's point, Thunder Wizard, is that the movie, you know, mm-hmm. it made over $200 million, so... It paid a lot of the bills. No, it didn't. It, it, well, I read. I, mean, I read. Its break-even point was five hundred million. That's what I heard as well. Because you got to oh, remember, okay. you're only getting sixty percent of the tickets. 
Yeah. You're marketing probably $150 million on a movie like this. And this was supposed to launch their universe because, for the record, yeah. right, Batman Begins, not a big hit. Then the next two are huge hits. Sure. Superman Returns, which we did on this pod, not a big hit. And because of that, there was no Batman versus Superman with Christian Bale and Brandon Routh. And yes, that was a thing. And you can look that yeah. up. It's all over the internet. And, and, and so then this, this became be a backdoor Justice League. The de facto, well, we'll start well. with this guy and rebuild from there because Bale's leaving, yada, yada, yada. And of course, Ralph this then sets them back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the story of DC. If you're a DC fan, it's... Oh, reboot screwed, after reboot. We screwed up again. Well, and I mean, like like Cash pointed out, they they set up the second movie, correct? Or like, oh yeah, very did, much. Yeah, so. That's did, clearly that, that, that doesn't go anywhere, correct? Like when Sinestro right. gets his fear powers, that's supposed to be the second movie, and that is dead in the water. Yeah, yep. and I guess that's yeah. the point I was trying to make is like, regardless of the box office money, the biggest sign of failure for this film is they were hoping for at the very least a sequel, and well, that two was sequels that were planned. And and again, yeah. at, like. This is like I, I have a I have a two sided brain here. When I finished the movie earlier, when they did that, then when they did that mini credit scene with Sinestro, I, in my mind I was like, I'd watch that movie. Like I'd watch Mark Strong be a fucking supervillain against I guess Ryan Reynolds or somebody. You can. It's called Shazam, and he's great at it. And the whole reason he did Shazam was because he wanted to redeem himself for this turd. Yeah, and I think but that, that's not his fault. I'll be honest no, with you, but I he's on record was... like I had to straighten this out. He did not do bad in this movie. He did great in this movie. Yeah, I think, so we'll probably get to it later, but I'll say this now. I think one of the mistakes they made in this movie was not going with the better actor as the villain. Um, As great as uh, Mr. Maggie Gyllenhaal is, um, I think Sinestro would have made a much better villain in this movie than going straight to Parallax and Testicle Head. Well. uh, Because you had a better actor for it. And it's a more straightforward uh, superhero movie. The guy with the opposite powers of yours. We're all familiar with that uh, trope. But uh, let me ask this question quickly. Let's just say this movie was successful and we did get a sequel. Post Bale Batverse. Can you see Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan in the Snyderverse? So here's my thing. And this is a good jump too. How do you fix this movie? Right. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is the right choice for Hal Jordan. I just don't. Because that that snappy, quickie dialogue that Ryan Reynolds does a great job works perfect for Deadpool. But for Hal Jordan, whose whole thing is will, and he's indomitable, and he's going to solve the problem, it Hal Jordan's not that jokey. He can be kind of smarmy and kind of a dick, which is why Bradley Cooper would have worked like I, and again, I, I'm not saying that it, the reason this has failed was Ryan Reynolds fault. It's absolutely not right. Well, he does a good job. He, he carries the film fine. So how much of that is the script and how much of it is Ryan Reynolds? So, uh, well, are they one again, of the same, but they write that they write the dialogue for Ryan Reynolds versus what we might've gotten out of a Bradley Cooper, Hal Jordan. I, it, it is it. I think it is much more a, a consequence of the shitty writing of this film than it is, you know, having Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan. Like at the time, if you wanted Ryan Reynolds or something, it should have been the flash. That would have worked. Uh, I don't have a problem with him. I don't have, I think the cast is actually really good. Obviously Tim Robbins has nothing to do. Angela Bassett has nothing to do. 
the script is the entire problem. And in uh, and, and reading up on this, the Greg Berlanti script, and Greg Berlanti, of course, is the chief architect of the Arrowverse, which I think I'm the only one who really watches all those shows, but I, I like them a lot. And he has a great passion for DC properties. Uh, Hector Hammond would have been the big bad. Parallax being the big bad kills the film because it makes it totally improbable because you've now wasted the biggest villain with a guy who's been in Green Lantern for 72 hours. And yet he wins despite all odds, even though this guy killed all these other great warriors, no problem. So it just doesn't work. Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting the way they set up that final conflict. And I don't think Captain Cash drew this parallel but effectively, the way Hal Jordan defeats Parallax in the movie mirrors his, um, uh, you know, gambit with the uh, stealth jets or whatever. He lures, he uses himself effectively as both bait and goes beyond the limits of you know the rules of engagement by drawing Parallax into the gravitational pull of the sun, and you know basically. Sacrifices himself in his own mind. I'm assuming he assumed that was a suicide mission. Yeah, but so it's, the same. It, it, it's it's. I get what they're doing, but you're a hundred percent right, Thunderous Wizard. It doesn't make any sense that he'd be willing to kill himself over over Parallax after 72 hours. Like he's like, oh well, I guess I have to do whatever it takes. That doesn't it, really seem like his personality. Also. Uh... To answer your question, yes, I think he could be a Green Lantern if in a, in a, the Snyderverse because he was Deadpool in another really pretty terrible comic book movie that wasn't at all like the character, and then he was Deadpool. So yeah, good point. You know he he's a really good actor, and you know it's apples to oranges because we're saying like oh well he was Deadpool in this really shitty movie so. Of course, he could. I just know he has a range, and he could go from being this goofier, self-absorbed Hal Jordan to being a more serious in tone, but still quippy Hal Jordan. No problem, I yeah. think. But yeah, and and in my opinion, and Captain Cash, you can correct me. I don't think there's anything really super defining about Hal Jordan. Like he's not like Clark Kent or Bruce Wayne. He doesn't have. He doesn't have like that super specific like tone and backstory. I think there's room with that character to have it played slightly different. Like I wouldn't want to see Ryan Reynolds as Bruce Wayne. He feels like Guy Gardner in this movie to me, but that's just me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He... Minus the bowl cut. Yes. Yeah. He's just kind I, of a dick. He is kind of a dick, but and Hal Jordan is also kind of a dick. But it's a, the best version of Hal Jordan I've seen is the DC animated, uh, what is it, Justice League War or whatever. That, yeah, yeah, Justice that, League War. And, it, and he's played by, um, what's his name, Fillion, Malcolm right? Reynolds. He's not, is it Fillion? Isn't he in one of Yeah, it's Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Fillion's done him in several things. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Fillion nails it. Like, it, which again, I'm not saying Ryan Reynolds does a bad job here, just that the tone is funky to have him be this quippy character when he you need more smarmy sort of dicky if that's how you want to play it. All right, that sounds like how you guys would have fixed it. Mayor McCheese, any thoughts on what this could have done better? I'm coming in blind because I don't know the comic books. So, no, I mean, I don't really have much to parlay into this conversation. Again, I didn't hate it upon the initial watch, but after talking about it, I kind of 
dislike it more. And mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to watch it again, but at the same time, I'm not going to be like, dude, that was the worst. I mean, it is no, um, sorry, I can't copy mall. No, what is that stupid goddamn movie you just made us watch with what's her face from long kiss? Good night. Yeah, it is no a long kiss. Good night where I watched it. I was just so mad at you. I don't, um, I don't understand. I really like that movie. Yeah, you can like it all you want. I don't like it. And I I mean, I didn't hate this movie, but I'm never going to watch it again. Uh, I don't really have much I can say to fix it. Mm, Fair enough. I'll go on the record saying my quick fix for this movie is cutting it down to 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, honestly. It's it's character development. It's got to be. The script is bad. Yeah, but if you cut some of it out, it, it, I think you can. I think you can actually tighten the movie up by cutting some of the stuff out. It's not going to save it. I'm not saying it's going to make it a great movie, but you will notice the shittiness less if it's only 90 minutes. By long. 2011, we'd already had really great comic book movies. Finally, like great comic book movies were starting to emerge, and this felt like it was made uh, like a movie from 2001. Like oh, we have this, this is, property. This uh, is very like. Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, which brings me to the next most important question. Who wins in a fight, Cloud Galactus or Cloud Parallax? Uh, I'm just going to say Parallax because he has a face and teeth. Also, he's got his roll dog testicle head. So, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the question wasn't testicle head versus silver surfer because we all know Doug Jones wins every time. But accepted head and teeth versus just straight cloud. Chumzilla? Wait, so I have to pick the movie Galactus? I can't pick the No, movie no. Galactus. Yeah, you got to do Cloud Galactus. Uh, you know, yeah, I have to admit it. You know, the 9-11 cloud is way more badass in this movie than the space fart that was the Rise of the Silver Surfer Galactus. So I'm going to give it to Parallax. That's a choice you can make. All I'm trying to say is Galactus doesn't feel fear. Parallax is useless against him. Anything to add there, Mary McCheese? Nope. Well, hold, right, on, hold on. I, no, hold on. Hold on. Galactus I, does feel fear. I've seen the Silver Surfer cartoon. I think or was it, the, it was the Fantastic Four cartoon, and he succumbed to the stare of Ghost Rider. <laughs> I do remember that. The penance stare. That's the not the same as stare. fear, though. That, that's uh, him feeling guilt for all the things he's killed. Galactus apparently Rise of the Silver Surfer doesn't really feel anything because he's just this cloud that's floating aimlessly cloud. through space. You know, that's fair. He, there's zero agency in that thing. I will I, say, I have my own question before you start trivia. Okay, what's your own question? This links back to my one sentence of this. Has anybody seen a movie where Kiefer Sutherland and Peter Skarsgård are in the same movie because that is called the time cop paradox and they can't be in the same movie because they are the same person. I, and I will, I will stick by that thesis until I die. They don't that look just, that much alike. Kiefer Sutherland is legitimately handsome in some places. Peter Sarsgaard, bless him. A young Kiefer Sutherland and a Peter Skarsgård are the even, same person. Not, even not worse, now, not a young, super handsome Kiefer Sutherland with a full head of hair looks just like this guy who's been balding since 26. I'm not saying P- 
Peter Skarsgård from this movie. I'm saying a young Keith or Sutherland and Peter Skarsgård are exactly the same person, and that is a time cop paradox. I, I can't, I can't get on board. Yeah, I think <laughs> I can't get on board. I'm, I'm going to side with Thunder's you, Wizard on this you one. You go ahead, and when you find them in the same movie, you let me know. Okay, fair enough. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do trivia. Let's hear from our friends over at the Double Turn. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are ready for trivia. So tonight, I've got five questions for you. Multiple choice. The winner of tonight's trivia challenge will take home one of the Green Lantern rings, assuming it chooses you. To chime in, give me a Green Lantern's light. So, number one. Other than Blake Lively, there is a member of the cast who has a spouse in a role in a DC movie. Which cast member is it? Extra points if you can name the spouse and the movie. I think we've done this a couple times. That's all right. That's what I got for trivia. Is it A, Tim Robbins? Is it B, Peter Sarsgaard? Is it C, Angela Bassett? Is it D, Taika Waititi? Green Lantern's Light. Thunderous Wizard. Uh, obviously, it's Sarsgaard. It is, it is Sarsgaard. It's so Maggie Gyllenhaal. It is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Dark Knight. Now <laughs> you only said Mr. Gyllenhaal I, like six times. I, I don't. I don't. Katie Holmes. <laughs> not Katie Holmes. No, not Katie Holmes. Number two. Beyond the green light of will and the yellow light of fear, there are five other color-coded lanterns. The brown lights of farts. <laughs> the, I feel like that's still fear, technically. <laughs> what emotion is associated with the color red? Is it A, love, B, greed, C, anger, or D, hope? Uh, I'm going to shoot. Lantern thing. Now I'm going to give it to, listen, I'm going to give it to Mary McCheese because I'm going to shoot is always an acceptable chime in. C. C, anger, that yes. is correct. He only yeah. knows that because of fucking injustice. No, I have no idea. I guessed. Uh, that would have been my guess, too. I don't even know what the ring it is, because I was trying to look up the Kiefer Sutherland thing. <laughs> so, so fun fact, uh, Mary McCheese, those three aliens that get eaten at the beginning of the movie, they have the insignia of the Red Lantern Corps on their backs, so their spacesuits. Yep. And, and there's more to that, because the law sector is where the Red Lanterns are supposed to be from, not Parallax, the whole other thing. But, number three... Among the Red Lantern Corps, there is an animal named Dexstar. What species is the animal? Is it A, a cat, B, a dog, Chihuahua specifically, C, a bear, or D, a wolf? Green Lantern's Light. It's a cat. It is a cat. A thunderous wizard. That is correct. Number four. Carol Ferris ultimately becomes one of a Lantern Corps, and there were plans for Blake Lively to take on that mantle should the sequel have actually happened 
what color light does her core represent? And she is a her character is called Star Sapphire. They are the Star Sapphire core. What color does she represent? A, orange, B, blue, C, indigo, or D, violet? Green Lantern's light. Thunder, uh, I'm sorry, Chumpzilla. I believe it is violet. Violet is correct. Bonus question. What emotion is she tied to specifically? I believe it's hope. That is not correct. Oof. Steel? Mm. Mm. Let me... <laughs> What was uh, her color, chartreuse? Violet. Purple. Purple. It, it, it does the Roy G. Bibb thing. Yeah. I mean, Which I, honestly, is a very clever retcon. They're the sapphire core. The star like sapphire. Geez, come on. The sapphire. So she's a light purple. Which should be mm. blue. They're, she's violet. They're tied but... specifically to the uh, bizarre but... notion that Sarsgaard looks like Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, no, I'm in for that. <laughs> Mayor McTeese is the leader of that core. That what emotion? Me. All right. Thunderous Wizard or or Mayor McCheese? What it's, emotion? It's love. It is love. That is correct. Thunderous Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to pain. Sarsgaard leads to Sutherland. Because <laughs> they're the same person. All right. Final question. Final question. And uh, I, at this stage, Thunderous Wizard does have it on lock. But for your own... Let's call it pride, if if that's what you want to call it. Nope. Number five, Blake Lively's hair had to be dyed a number of times to get just the right shade of brown to play Carol Ferris. How many times did they dye her hair? Is it A, 10? Is it B, 12? Is it C, 14? Or is it D, 16. Green Lantern's I'm light. I'm going to shoot. Uh, <laughs> Green Lantern's light had it. I'm going to give it to Thunder's Wizard. Uh, go with, go because with 16. it's this movie, I'm going with 16. That is not correct. Damn it. Green Lantern's light. All right. Chumzilla. I believe it is C, 14 times. It is indeed 14 ah. times. I was hoping to wait it out. How it many different... stupid. How many different shades of brown... I don't. Did it ball, have so to I don't be brown? That does. Why, why did it have to be brown? I. Hey, don't. It's fine. I it's fine. Feel like it's I don't think important. anyone. I don't it's think anyone's going to notice. That's the big important thing. at all. Yeah, all and right. also I think you get one look at that domino mask effect when it does like a PowerPoint wipe off of Ryan Reynolds' face, and you're like, oh, they clearly Ooh, gave no fucks nope. about this movie. Nope, not in it. Somebody I don't know what that is. Somebody approved that shit. <laughs> Yike. All right, that is it for the Green Lantern pod. Let's go around the horn and talk recommendations. Let's start with Mayor McCheese. What is what is tickling your fancy this week? I'm going to recommend it only because it made me incredibly angry. I only watched half the movie, and the whole time I was pissed off. It is I Care A Lot on Netflix. And I came in, I think, after this pod last week and watched the second half of my wife and the whole time I've never wanted to see a character die more in my entire life than this movie. So I think it's worth it. It's got a uh, um, Peter Dunklage. I think I'm saying that right. I might Dinkles? be wrong. Yes. Sorry. Um, he's in it. The Dinkles. It, it's a, 
it's a good movie, but the whole time you're going to sit there and be like, she's got to die. She's got to fucking die. She's the worst person in the world. And it just, uh, it's aggravating in that sort of sense. But that is, that's my current recommendation. Without spoilers, can you at least tell me there is a catharsis of some kind? I mean, do you want to know like the general plot or do you just want no, to know no, if no. there's like, do you want to know if there's like, you're going to finish it and be like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm happy. That's the, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Is, is it satisfying? It's a yes and no for me. I mean, the whole time when I was watching it with my wife, I'm like, she's a terrible person. Terrible things should happen to her and it keeps not happening. And then at the end, there's like this half comeuppance and I was sitting there like, no, that's not enough. That's, she no Mm-mm. nope there's way much worse should have happened <laughs> so there's there's an uppance but not a full comeuppance yeah no it's it, i don't even know if it's just an uppance as much as like a it's uh, but i think it's still it's very well done it's a very good movie especially for being a straight to netflix and there's i mean the cast is stacked uh so it's worth the watch it's just plan on spending the two hours Make sure you have some beers and plan on spending the two hours super pissed off because the whole time you're going to be like, she needs to die and she keeps not dying. And then you're like, oh, my God, she she better fucking die. <laughs> Fair enough. Possible, possibly we do that later. What was the name of the, the movie again? I care a lot. I care a lot. All right. Over to Chumzilla. What is your recommendation this week? All right. I've got two recommendations. Uh, one is if you got young kids and you haven't watched it yet on Disney Plus, I would heavily recommend Flora. Damn it. No. Uh, Flora and Ulysses, it's the magic squirrel movie. Um, like I, I've got a young daughter. She loves it. And when you say young really kids, what age? Uh, five-ish. Kindergarten okay. age. It, it's a movie about a little girl who like befriends a magic squirrel that can use a typewriter, apparently. I'm not super familiar, but I can tell you, much like some of your previous recommendations, Make cheese. Uh, you can put your kid in front of that movie and they will watch it. There. So, and it's it's a I Disney mean, Plus exclusive. Like in. it's new content on Disney, and uh, yeah. So you know it's a good movie for kids if they want something new to watch. And then I I, I kind of stumbled across this because there's a ton of like weird Marvel content on Disney Plus too, documentary style stuff and things. It's called Marvel Behind the Mask. And it actually, it's sort of a puff piece, but it's interesting because it goes through the history of Marvel's publications and how sensibilities change towards like race and gender and representation in comics. Now, again, it's it's a Disney thing. It's a Marvel thing. So obviously they're kind of painted in a relatively positive light all the way through. But they do talk about some conflicts internally and and how you know certain characters were handled and how they change things uh you know involving representation of comics as that went through the decades and it was really interesting to see some of the challenges like i mean the one concrete example i'll give is they said basically they had two big problems they didn't have a brown ink that could print uh, an accurate portrayal of an african-american character and for a long time they they, they looked kind of gray and that, that was a problem they had to solve in comics to actually get a brown-skinned character in the books. And the same thing with Asian characters were always printed with yellow skin tones. And you know, finally, there were enough Asian people in the, in the industry that said, hey, like, can we can we not make the Asian characters like yellow? Explicitly yellow. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we could try. Like, to, So basically, even just getting skin tones into comics was an uphill battle. And so that, to me, was interesting uh, because they definitely addressed that head-on 
uh, you know, as part of the the issue. You know, they just didn't have a way to do it until someone put the effort in to get, you know, accurate skin tones and comics. So it was pretty cool. It's it's worth checking out. Nice. I, thanks. Again, again, the second recommendation there is Marvel Behind the Mask. Behind the Mask. Both All right. the movie, the Squirrel movie, and that on Disney Plus. Okay. Over to Thunderous Wizard. What's your recommendation this week? I think if you know me at all it's clear my recommendation is superman and lois which is on the cw on tuesday nights it premiered this past week um it is superman at a different stage in his life he has two uh, twin teenage sons and it's really good uh tyler hocklin is a great superman he's been in obviously he's been in supergirl and and some of the crossover events but I really like the show. It's a little bit more, um, it's it's definitely more polished. And I think there's going to be less episodes and it looks like a higher uh, production value than some of the other CW shows. But there's a nice, uh, uh, some aesthetic that they, they clearly were inspired uh, by some, some of how Man of Steel handled uh, Smallville. So taking some of the, the things that most people like about Man of Steel, I like Man of Steel, but not everybody does. But sort of the look of Smallville, the look of the farm, the feel of that, I was really impressed. I think it's going to be very good. If you haven't if you haven't watched it, you can always download the CW app. You can watch all their shows for free the day after they air. Um, it's exciting to have Superman back because big screen Superman is always filled with so much uncertainty. So, did you say that Superman has kids? His uh, his sons aren't actually twins. Obviously, they're different, you know, actors from different families, but they, but they look a hell of a lot more like each other than Kiefer Sutherland and Peter Sarsgaard. So. <laughs> no, no, you bury that. They're the same person. I will stick to that until I die. All right. So my recommendation this week is another Blake Lively vehicle, The Shallows. I fucking love that movie. Basically, it's Blake Lively versus a great white shark for ninety minutes. It's probably the best modern shark movie out there and definitely worth your time. Um, what's the shark movie where it eats, uh, what is it, Ice tea or Samuel L. Jackson? I can't it's remember. Samuel L. Jackson. And you're, and you're yeah, that's it. LL Deep Cool Lucy. J. And it attempts to eat LL Cool J. Yes. You ate my bird. No, no that's, <laughs> that's, my bird. The best, that's the best shark vehicle. Let's be serious. Uh, listen, it's got TJ, so I'm always down for TJ. Yeah. yeah. But it was an, it, that came out. 22 years ago that's a 1999 oh my god seriously yeah so modern oh, so i'm pretty much ready to die the shallows came out in 20 i think it's 17 i'd have to double yeah, check it's pretty recent and it is awesome beats 47 meters down it does it beats 40. 47 meters down is entertaining the meg is entertaining but they're not like actually good movies yeah. like lively's right. in the town right yeah she's really good in drive angry too <laughs> yes, she's Again, in the no. town. Yeah, no, the town's awesome. I love the town. Uh, and that's right, Am- yeah. Amber Heard's the other one. Get out of here. That's it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thanks to Sierra Nevada for these delicious torpedoes, and thank you for listening. Next up, we have a very special guest for our very special 100th episode for the original cut of Justice League in the second round of our Hops and Heroic Flop Series. What do you think of the pod? Leave us a review on iTunes, and please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thunderous Wizard, if the folks want to reach out and touch you, where can you be found? You can find me at my website, Comparing Celebrity Lookalikes. 
called SarsgardSutherland.com or at WritersDLK on Twitter. That was stolen from me, and I will literally spend the rest of my life trying to prove that they are the same person. Time All cop. Right. Time cop. <laughs> Chumzilla, where can you be found? You can find me on Twitter photoshopping domino masks on my face and lusting after Maggie Gyllenhaal at Chumzilla8. And as always, you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media.